Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. My name is Kenny. Honored to share with you guys today. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege to teach Bible story lessons to uh, our little kiddos at Kids Blast. And man, that was so cool. And every single day, I started um, my Bible stories by telling the kids the same thing that I'm gonna tell you guys today. And that is just what I think about the Bible. Like, I I love the Bible. I love the Bible. The Bible is just so important to me. Um, I believe every single time I open up the Bible and open up God's word, I believe that it's the main way that God chooses to still speak to his people. So if you're here this morning and you've been maybe thinking to yourself, man, I I just haven't heard from God lately. Um, I, I just feel distant from God, I feel disconnected. Um, could I encourage you this morning and, and share with you, I believe that the main way to hear God's voice, the main way that God chooses to speak to his people today is through his word. Um, I, believe, I love the Bible. I can geek out all day about the Bible. I believe the Bible is so much more than just an old history book and a, just an old ancient book. I believe it's more than just a, a, a book full of morals and good concepts and uh, theories or fables. Um, I believe that the Bible is a personal love letter. Uh, I told the kids one of that in, at Kids Blast, and he was like, a love letter? Never gotten one of those. I think he got excited. Um, but... I believe that the Bible is a personal love letter written for you, with you in mind. It was written with the intention for you. And here's what I love. The, the Bible, the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, the end of the story, I believe it's about a God that is so crazy in love with you. I believe that um, it all points to Jesus, right? It all points to Jesus. The Bible, you can see Jesus in Genesis and Exodus. You see Jesus in Revelation. I believe, I believe it all points to Jesus. And here's the best part. It's his story. It all points to him. But, but Jesus has brought us into his story. We are now included into his story, making it our story, making it humanity's story, right? So for me, every single time I open up the Bible, I open up God's word, I believe it's an opportunity for me to hear from God. And I'm believing that some of us are gonna hear from God today. So turn with me to 1 John chapter two. We're gonna be looking at just a couple of verses Verses 17 through 14. We'll have it up there on the screen for you guys. It says this, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness, and he does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. God, this opportunity to hear from you.
God, we pray that we can have open hearts, open eyes to see. God, we are desperate to hear from you. Jesus, would you come into this place and speak to us this morning? We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, what is the dumbest thing that you found yourself doing because you were bored? Because you were bored. We all know we've been there. What is the the silliest thing that you have done? Some of y'all are like, don't take me back to that time. Um, But have you ever gone to all the Ross stores in town to look for the best shoes? This guy has over here. Hey, I see you. Uh, have you gone downtown to rent those new fancy electric scooters? Have, have you got, anybody done that yet? Is it worth it? Is it cool? I, we went uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was just like flooded with scooters, 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 scooters. They were everywhere. I'm like, man, there's scooter gangs popping up. Um, have you gone, like, gone on a scooter and played Pokemon Go? It seems like that game's coming back from the dead, you know? Um, it's crazy. Pokemon. Um, You know, it's funny when you think of boredom, because when I was thinking of the topic or the idea of boredom, I realized that, man, it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been bored, or at least have felt that way initially. And I think, here's why, I think the difference between kids and adults is that kids are doing everything in their power to rid themselves free of boredom, while adults, on the other hand, they're doing everything in their power to just have that moment of, of quietness, that moment of boredom. You know what I mean? Adults, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But boredom. We've all been there, right? We've all done silly things when we've been bored. We've all been bored. Um, Hopefully you're not bored right now. Um, As a kid... As a kid, I remember the countless days of sitting on the couch, looking on the, out the window, eating, eating my tub of ice cream. I was a fatty growing up, but that's all right. Um, eating my ice cream, yelling at my mom, Ma, I'm bored, you know? Um, I remember probably the very first time I was bored, I played a practical joke on my very young brother at the time by giving him a mysterious cup of yellow liquid. It wasn't Mountain Dew. Um, when I remember, I was very young, um, I remember the times of boredom of in grade school, just being so bored, I grabbed a shovel and I just go in the backyard and just dig holes. And my goal was to find the buried treasure, become rich so that I could quit school, right? And there might have been some Shia LaBeouf influences um, in my life at that time. Holes. Um, I remember the times of high school. The times of high school, my boredom grew even more. Um, one time, my buddies and I, we found this giant roll of yellow caution tape. So naturally, we waited till midnight or bef- after that. Naturally, we went out late at night and we went and closed down some neighborhoods in my hometown with the, with the caution tape. Um, not giving anybody ideas or anything. Um, So sometimes boredom can get us into trouble, right? And I bring up the topic of boredom because evidently boredom has been around for quite some time. Now the reason why the disciple John is writing this letter as he is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the reason why he's writing this letter is because he's heard of some very disturbing news going among, going around Christian communities all across Eurasia, right? And this very disturbing news is that these Christians are starting to find themselves bored of the gospel. 
they're starting to find themselves bored of the gospel. Now, at the time of the writings of this letter, you have to remember who John is. You gotta remember who the author is. If before you guys do a, a Bible study or start a new book in your Bible, just take a, take a moment or so and just remember who the author is. Try, try and investigate and try and go into a little bit of background of the author, because that's so important. You have to remember who, who John is. Who is John? John was the disciple, right? And it's been about 40 to 50, approximately 40 to 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection that when, when John wrote this letter. And you have to remember, John was there for the ministry and life of Jesus, right? You have to remember who John is. John saw the miracles. John saw the healings. John was there. He was, he was outside that gravesite when Jesus said, Lazarus, wake up. John, John witnessed that. And, that, and then out comes Lazarus. John witnessed the death of Jesus. John saw Jesus take his final breath on the cross. Then afterwards, John saw visibly, visibly, he saw it, the holes in his hands, the piercing in his side. John was there. He saw it. John was the best friend of Jesus, self-proclaimed best friend of Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved. This is the author of this letter, right? So of course, when, when Grandpa John, I like to refer to him as Grandpa John, now when he's older and in the latter stages of his life during the time of this letter, when he hears this news of Christians becoming bored, when he hears this news of, of these, these young Christian communities wanting something different, he says, come on, guys. I've seen him. I was, I was with him. I saw him. You don't, you don't want something new. You don't, you don't need something fresh. You don't want something culturally in. So John begins to write this letter. And what I love about this letter is, letter is how direct John is. How many of you guys have just a, a grandfather that is just, he's just so straight to the point. I love, I love my grandfather because he's like, just don't date her. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> all right, grandpa. You know, he's just so straight to the point. He never said that about Bethany. He was like, yeah, date her for sure. Um, but he's so, like a good grandfather, they're just so straight to the point. They're just so repetitive. They're just so narrow. Boom, tell you how it is. That's how it is, right? And actually a fun fact about this letter is, and this kind of shows you how direct old Grandpa John is during this time, uh, it, it shows you in the New Testament, there are a total of 5,437 vocabulary words recorded in just the New Testament. But in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, there are only a total of 303 vocabulary words, which is to show how direct, how straight to the point, how repetitive John is. So these bored Christians, these bored believers who believe in the finished work of Jesus and they believe in the resurrection, but they're finding themselves wanting something new. They're wanting maybe a, a new study. They're wanting maybe a, a new depth, a new height. They're wanting maybe a Bible study on, of mystical means or a study of prophecies or a study of visions. Or, they're just wanting something new. And Grandpa John, this morning, he's about to shoot straight. He's about to go straight to the point. He says, beloved, which means 
you be loved. Beloved shows you who he's writing to. He's writing to these believing communities. In verses seven and eight, he says, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, and at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, which if I could pause there for for a moment and just remind every single person here today, myself included, that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what darkness you're walking through, no matter what what troubles you find yourself in, can can we all be reminded this morning that, that the light will win, that the light has won, Jesus will win, Jesus has won, for the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that there is one God, that there is one way, that he is the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. And his name is beautiful, and his name is wonderful, and he is king. And look at this, darkness right now, right now, right now, right now, this very moment, right now, darkness is passing away because the true light is already blazing. Can we be reminded this morning that darkness right now, this very moment, is passing away because the true light is already blazing. Man, that's something I need to remind myself every morning, every day I wake up in the midst of the chaos in this world. This light has already won. And John goes on to say in verses 9 and 11, he says, Whoever says he, he, he is in the light and hates his brother is still, excuse me, is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, When John says, whoever says, this is one of the repetitive statements that you'll find all throughout 1 John. Whoever says, um, what is John doing here? He's doing whatever, whoever says is he's drawing to the surface these confusing claims that these Christians are, are bringing up in these, in these believing communities. He's drawing to the surface some confusing claims. And this is where John is going to get super practical. John is addressing some disturbing news that he's heard about these Jesus followers that have been claiming the rep Jesus. They've been walking the streets with their Team Jesus jerseys on, but they've been hating and discriminating other Christians. This is what's happening. Now, don't get me wrong. As a Christian, we are called to love the world. We are called to love and demonstrate and express the love of Christ to the unbeliever which should always be in the forefront of our minds. But in this passage, John is specifically talking and focusing on, do you love the person in your believing community? Because isn't it amazing how we can love the world but avoid people in our own spaces and places? Isn't it amazing how we can, we can love the world but, but kind of avoid certain people and in our own church, maybe. And he says in verse 10, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And Grandpa John, I'm told, I, told, I warned you, he's shooting straight. He's shooting straight this morning. And he wants to go on record to say, if you carry bitterness 
if you carry hate towards somebody who has fellowship with Jesus, then you're still walking in darkness. Now the word hate here obviously needs to be defined because there are these confusing claims, these confusing uh, Christians that are, that are walking in these Jesus communities that are saying, I'm close with Jesus, I'm a friend with Jesus, but I can't stand her. They're saying, I'm a friend with Jesus, but that guy over there, what he did to me in 92, mm-mm, ain't messing with that. There, there are these Christians that are avoiding entire, entire sets of families. Now, the word hate here, it isn't talking about a one-time bad experience that happened a- April 14th, 2014, um, Sunday morning service, Right? It wasn't a one bad experience where little Jimmy from youth group stole your seat because you wanted to sit next to little Susie, right? The word hate in this context isn't just one bad experience with another Christian. John is talking about a continual bitterness and hatred towards someone constantly. The word hate here actually means to despise. And I'll go on to say that To hate somebody is to love somebody less and less and less and less every single day. John is saying, if you say you're friends with Jesus, but if you can't stand, if you avoid, if you speak ill of another person who has fellowship with Jesus, then you don't know my Jesus. This is what John's saying. Now today... Pastor wanted me to hone in on kids and students. And if you're new here, one of the core values in this church is that we believe in kids and students. We believe that kids and students are worth our investment. We believe that kids and students are not just the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. We believe that uh, we aim to exceed the expectations of our culture by going all in towards their growth, towards their development, towards their safety. So if I can be honest with you guys, as I was preparing this message, um, this particular portion of scripture just came to my heart. And for some of you, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with kids and students? Like, where are we going? Um, But I just felt the Lord bring this scripture to my heart because I believe that this is the foundation of kids and students. This is the antidote, love. Love is the foundation. Love is always the foundation. So before we spend the moment and talk about what this portion of scripture means for our kids and students, before we get into that, I want to spend some time on the foundation of kids and students and present us all the question of, are we loving not just kids and students, but are we loving each other well? Are we loving each other well? What is the posture of our hearts? What is the condition of our feelings? Why are we finding ourselves avoiding certain people? John's saying, do you have anybody like that in your life? Now he writes in verse 10, he says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling. So on the flip side, John's writing and says, it's the person who loves brother and sister who abides in God's light. And the word love is actually translated in Greek to agape, 
which is a supernatural kind of love, which is the kind of love that comes from God. It's the kind of love of, for God so loved the world, for God so agape the world. John's not saying that you need to have the warm and fuzzies for one another. He's not saying that you need to admire and respect everything about every single person. It doesn't mean, you know, that you have to be best friends, but he is saying that we need to make a decision with our free will to tell your brother, I love you and I forgive you for whatever occasion. I forgive you. It doesn't mean we got to be best friends. It doesn't mean you got to go play ping pong or foosball together after church. But there's no unforgiveness. There's no bitterness. There's a mutual understanding that our friendship and fellowship with Jesus is greater than what has happened in our past. Now, real quick, let me show you how verse 10 ends in the message version. It says, it's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and does not block the light from others. Does not block the light from others. Now, this is interesting to stop and consider. John is saying, if you're unable to love, if you hold on to bitterness, not only are you walking in darkness, but you're blocking light from others. John is saying that person that won't look past the time little Jimmy stole his seat on April 14th, 2014, 10.23 a.m. Sunday morning church because you stole little Susie from him, that person that won't look past that time, that person that can't get over the things that somebody said about you when you were in high school, that person that, that can't get over the offense that somebody did to you, that person that has bitterness and hatred built up inside them towards another person who has fellowship and friendship with Jesus, that person is not only living in darkness, but they are blocking the very same light that other people are craving, that other people are desperate for. Have you ever met a Christian and thought to yourself, man, I don't ever want to be a Christian? But then you're like, oh, wait, I am. This is a joke. (laughs) But seriously, have you ever met somebody who claims to be a Christian, somebody who has been forgiven of their sins, but you see how they talk about their family? You see how they treat their friends? You've been forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, and you believe in Jesus, but yet you you cuss out your, your coworkers or your neighbors or even your mom or your dad. John is saying you've become a barrier, something that blocks light from others. Now here's the thing, people who don't know Jesus might, might never come to know Jesus because of the confusion that Christians can cause. People who are desperate for the light, desperate for Jesus, can come to a church seeking, and they'll see somebody who claims to be living in the light, but instead they're full of hatred, full of bitterness, and all that person will see is confusion. That person will think to themselves, whoa, that's what a a Christian looks like? What if I were to tell you guys that, man, we're, we're all preachers, 
Think about that. We're all preachers to our friends, to our families, to our teammates, to our classmates, to our kids. We're all preachers. Sometimes we use words, but don't miss this. They're always watching. They're always watching the moves you make. And they're wondering, is there a difference between him and I or her and I? And the point of this letter, you guys, the point of this letter is John is saying, when I was walking with Jesus for three and a half years, when I was, when I was waking up every single morning to Jesus, when I was doing life and ministry with Jesus, when I experienced him every single day, it changed me. It changed everything about me. It changed how I lived. Socially, I became a different man. Uh, how I talked to people became different. How I viewed people became different. How I respected people became different. My friends, my loved ones, old friends, strangers, complete and total strangers, everything about me became different. John is saying, if you're a friend with Jesus, if you have fellowship with Jesus, if you know my Jesus, then you'll love your brother because I love them first. So now that we've laid this foundation of love, and walking in the light, I want us to conclude today with verses 12 and 14. This gives you an idea of how repetitive John is. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, these next three verses, according to Bible scholars and, and commentaries, these next three verses are the most debated verses in all of 1 John. All of the scholars and commentaries can basically agree to disagree about these three verses, which is to say each one has a little bit of a different interpretation of what's really trying to be communicated. They're all saying, what's the deal? What's the point? What is John saying? Now, you have to remember, John just finished dealing with this massive social issue about loving your brother, about loving your sister, about loving the person that has wronged you. This hatred that's going around in, in Jesus communities that is starting to turn into lifestyles of bitterness, lifestyles of avoidance, lifestyles of unforgiveness. And then John, kind of out in left field, starts lift, listing off age groups. He starts saying little children, fathers, young men. And so the scholars are like, what's going on? They're divided. Some scholars are saying this is all about age. He's addressing different age groups. While the other end of the spectrum, other scholars are saying, no, it's, he's describing different seasons, different stages of life. Well, I'd like to believe that John's actually addressing both. It's interesting to me because John just got finished talking about one of the most difficult parts of our social experiences, which is what? When someone hurts you, let it go. When someone offends you, forgive them. Trying to understand somebody that's different than you. Trying to understand somebody that looks different than you, acts different than you, somebody that is younger than you, somebody that is older than you. 
all these young people here. What are they, what are they doing? You know, her, her shorts are too small. Her, his pants are too tight. What are they thinking? I'd never catch myself wearing those. Or what on earth are those kids, where, where, where are their parents at? They're being so disrespectful over there. He needs a timeout, or better yet, an old-fashioned whooping. Like, think about your social experiences. How many times have you caught yourself just going, Psh, unreal? How many times have you thought yourself saying, what, what, is, what are they doing? I don't get them. I mean, not too long ago, I had to explain to a student the old famous be kind, rewind quote from Blockbuster, you know? <laughs> Rest in peace. Like, kids these days, they don't even know what a VHS is, you know? And it's starting to happen to me. <laughs> Next year, I'm going to be 30. <laughs> I'm going to understand, I, I'm starting to understand more and more of these age gaps and, and age groups and seasons of life. Now, the scholars, they don't like this passage because of how it progresses. It goes little children, then fathers, then young men. And the scholars want it to go in age progression. They want it to go little children, young men, fathers. But what is John doing here? Listen, I think John is making an incredible statement. I think he is making an incredible statement about ages and stages of community life. I believe Grandpa John, before it's all said and done, wants to go on record to say that every age group, every stage, every season of life has beauty to it. And if we're gonna be a church that is called to love brother and sister, then we need to be a church that says, come on, young man. Come on, young woman. Come worship with me. We love you. Where are the new converts at? Come join me. Where are the little children the little children that don't know a lick of English, they can't even wipe their own butts, you know? Like, where are the little children? We love you. Where are the veterans at? Where are the ones that have known Jesus for decades and decades and decades? Veterans, we love you. As opposed to, we're gonna be a church with one people group, one particular demographic, graphic, as opposed to you have to look like this, you got to talk like this, dress like this, act like this. I believe John is saying that the social structures start to break down if we're all the same. Listen, it's so easy for us, so easy for me to want a community of sameness because everybody is so different. Everybody is so different. And I think that's beautiful. We all have different backgrounds. We all come from different seasons, different ages. And we just, sometimes we'd just rather be in, the, in a space where we're all kind of familiar and similar and the same. And John says, don't do that. Don't do that. Learn to honor and invest in the stages and ages.
Learn to honor the seasons. Learn to honor and celebrate every stage of this beautiful life. If the band wants to come back up. In verse 12, John says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. It's amazing because in this same passage that he writes to the children, he's also addressing the fathers and the mothers. He's addressing the veterans, the ones that have known Jesus for decades. And he honors their seasons, but at the same time, I wonder if John is wanting the fathers, wanting the mothers to recognize that these, these newcomers, these, these little children, they can teach me about something. I wonder if these little children can, can, can show me and rekindle maybe that glimmer in my eye. I wonder if a father could look at a nine-year-old and be like, man, you're just so beautiful. You love Jesus. You adore Jesus. Man, I remember when I was nine years old and, you know, I, when I, I, I met Jesus when I was nine and you're nine and we both love Jesus. And, man, I'm just remembering these times about, you know, when I was a little children and I'm seeing you love Jesus and I'm seeing you love Jesus and it only makes me want to love Jesus even more. I wonder if a child can re-spark and rekindle something in a father's life, in a mother's life, in a young man's life, in a, in a veteran's life, the ones that have known Jesus for 50 years, the ones that have known Jesus for 60 years. Could a little child rekindle something in us? And what if a child could look to a father, can look to a veteran and say, man, there's something about you, your wisdom, your perspective on life. Could a, could a middle schooler grab a hold the hand of a father and say, man, teach me, show me, mentor me. John's saying regarding the fathers, I'm writing to you, young fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. John says to the fathers and mothers, you have a perspective. You have such a perspective on life. You have such a perspective on life. Take a hold the, the hand of a young man. Take a hold the hand of a young child and show them your perspective. Show them your vantage point. And all of a sudden, this, this hard to interpret scripture becomes more and more clear as we can see what John is doing here. John is proposing the spiritual architecture of the local church, which is not supposed to be just one kind of people group, one age, one stage, but it's supposed to be this beautiful tapestry of all people, of all backgrounds, of all ages, of all stages, of all ethnicities. And John is saying, grab hands and just love them. Love them. Love is the foundation. We're supposed to come together and ask one another, have you met Jesus? Because I met Jesus. And I believe that you're beautiful. I believe that you're wonderful. I believe that we share something so valuable in common, even though I might be 60 years old and you're 15, even though you're a Democratic and I'm a Republican, even though we have a different upbringing, we have a different background, even though 
Even though I've hurt you. Even though I wronged you. I know I've hurt you. I forgive you. Because I know the light is far greater than the darkness. So yes, I forgive you. Yes, I love you. Yes, we can grab coffee. Yes, young person, we can go fishing. Yes, young person, we can stand and worship together. Yes, young person, I will, I will buy you school supplies. Yes, young person, I'll sponsor you. Yes, 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 yes. Just come join me. Come join me. Come join me. Yes, I love you. So today, as we close... We're gonna respond in two ways. And today we're gonna to take a moment and we're gonna practice what we've heard from God. I believe so much in the power of prayer and I believe every single person in this place today is gonna to get prayed for. I'm super excited about that. But before we, before we take a moment to pray, we're gonna have the ushers come forward and we're just gonna take a special offering this offering is going to go towards the budget for, for summer camp that we just had in June. And summer camp, we took 14 kids to camp. And we had 39 middle school and high schoolers that went to camp, many of which was their first time to a Jesus camp. And camp cost $220, but this year our church believes so much in camp. We believe so much in camp and the power of, of camp that we only charge people 100 bucks just because we know the value. A couple weeks ago, we just did Kids Blast where we had 90 kids come into this space and learn about Jesus, sing about Jesus, come together. And so many of these students that have come to camp and went to Kids Blast, they grew in their faith. So many of them made a decision to commit their lives following Jesus. And today we're gonna just take this special offering that will go towards our camp budget because we're gonna believe that, man, we're gonna do this every year. But before we take this offering, I wanna say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for investing. Many of you here today, have came to me and you've said, hey, I want to sponsor a kid. And that's so cool. I want to say thank you so much. Thank you. You're making an impact through your giving, through your investment. Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for all that you do. You're such a good father. We thank you, God, that you have showed us the foundation of love. For you yourself are the foundation. You are the cornerstone in our lives. God, we thank you so much for all you have given us. We thank you for the kids that went to kids camp, the, the students that went to middle school camp and high school camp. God, we thank you so much for making a way 
when there was no way. We thank you, God, for every single person in this room that has given, that has prayed, that has served. God, we know that our kids and our students, we know that they're not the church of tomorrow, but they're the church of today. Jesus, bless this offering. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Now, secondly, I want to get everybody ready because I'm super excited for what's about to happen next. Like I said, I want to practice what we, what we heard today. And today, we're going to have everybody be prayed for. So today, I'd like for every kid, every kid and student in this place, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm calling everybody out today. So if I could have every kid, every student, could you guys come up front? All the kiddos in the back, we were bringing in the elementary kiddos today. Yeah, so if, if you're a student, 18 and under, please come forward. 18 and under, please come forward. This is gonna be so powerful. This is gonna be so amazing. And next, if you're a parent of, 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 these, of these up here, or if you're a parent in general, could you, could you come forward? Just the parents in this room, we're all gonna pray for one another, but thank you all for being so willing Tonya, this is going to be worth. It's going to be worth this next couple minutes. The parents in the room, come on up. And next, if if you're maybe you don't have kids, maybe you're middle aged, maybe you're a young young adult, would you come up as well? Would you come up the young adults, middle aged, those that don't have kids? Would you come forward? And would you come in? Maybe just right behind the parent. And lastly, every veteran in the room, if you are able and willing, if you're a veteran, would you come in forward also, just right behind the parents? Veterans. And here's what we're gonna do. Kiddos, students, the young men, the young women, the parents, the adults, the veterans, the ones that have known Jesus, for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Kiddos, these guys are all gonna pray for you. They're gonna pray for you. We're gonna take a moment and practice what we've heard, that we are a, a one body, but representative of different ages, different stages, different ethnicities. We're all gonna come together and be one body, and we're just gonna pray for you. So parents, young men, young women, veterans, would you just maybe extend a hand to these, to these kids, to these students, and would you just begin to pray? Would you pray that, that these kids, that these students would, would grow to learn about the name of Jesus even more? Can we pray that these kids can demonstrate agape love? Can we pray for our kids that they would come to know Jesus like never before? Like never before.
could we pray that nothing would hold them back in their relationships with Jesus? That nothing would hold them back. Could we pray for their upcoming school year that happens in a couple of weeks? For I truly believe that these are the best modern day missionaries in the United States of America. Could we pray that the mission field of the public school, that these ones would be the light in darkness, that these ones would be bold, would be brave to tell their friend who Jesus is and what he has done for them. May they walk in the fruits of the Spirit. May they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Could we pray for their teachers? The ones that are giving up the next nine, ten months to invest in our kids. God, we thank you so much for our kids, for our students. We thank you, God, that you have them in the palm of your hand, that you will never leave them, that you will never, never forsake them. God, that you would walk powerfully among them, that your Holy Spirit would take them and lead them. May they be the light in darkness, and may they demonstrate the love of Jesus to their friends, to their neighbors, to the kids on the bus. Jesus, we thank you for our kids. May they come to know you in a greater way every single day for the rest of their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, real quick, kids and students, kids and students, look up here, look up here. This is my favorite part. Kids and students, nobody move yet. Now it's our turn to pray for them. Kids and students, we're gonna pray for all the adults. We're gonna pray for your parents. We're gonna pray for the young men in here. We're gonna pray for the young women. We're gonna pray for the ones that have known Jesus for, for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Kids, let's go ahead and pray. I'm gonna help us, I'm gonna help lead us in this prayer, but could you extend a hand to maybe your, your, your mom or your dad or uh, the person right in front of you? You could turn around and look at them now. Um, you could just extend a hand to them, but now we're gonna pray for every single person in here today. So kids and students, let's pray. Let's pray, God, thank you so much for my family. God, I thank you for my mom. God, I thank you for my dad. My dad that loves me so much. My mom that loves me so much. God, I thank you for my parents. Thank you for the blessing. Can we demonstrate love to my parents? Thank you for my parents. Thank you for the young men in this church that serve for me, that teach me about Jesus. Thank you for the young women in this church that I don't even know yet. 
Thank you for the, for the ones that aren't parents yet. We believe that you're going to be a great parent one day. And God, thank you for the veterans in the room. God, help me to look at the veterans, to look at the ones that have known Jesus, have seen Jesus, have walked with Jesus. And God, let me be inspired by them. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for the adults in the room that love me. And Jesus, we thank you that you have given us your son who took my place on the cross. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done for me. Help me to walk with you for the rest of my days. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, the, the, the kiddos are going to make their way back to their classrooms. If you guys want to just uh, find a seat real quick, we're just going to wrap up with just uh, one final group prayer, one body prayer. But the kiddos are going to make their way back to their classroom. And you guys, just in a minute, can go, go check them out. But thank you, everybody, being so willing to pray for one another. I believe that there's so much power in prayer. So can we just all pray this together just as we conclude, as we uh, wrap up this service today? Can we just pray this together? Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have demonstrated what true love is. For this is real love, that you would send your one and only son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, God, that you care for us. Thank you, God, that you walk with us. God, today, would you help us? Help us to rid all bitterness from our heart. Help us to rid all anger, all hatred. God, may forgiveness flow freely in this place. We thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.